Am I Reister or am I wrong? Laker fans will finally truly embrace LeBron James, not just because he won a championship, because of the year. The year that Kobe Bryant died mattered so much. There is nobody else in sports that you would rather start a franchise with in the history of any sport than LeBron James. Russell Wilson is the most underappreciated person in sports, and it's not even close. There is no defense in the SEC. There's no D in the SEC. And, of course, my college football top 10. Am I Reister or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the absolute truth. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only. Check your feelings at the door. Don't even show up with them. Because this ain't the place for the left, the right, snowflakes, or social justice warriors. And absolutely no BS because I will always keep it 100 with you. Uh, Make sure that you leave a five-star rating wherever you are listening to podcasts. You're watching it on YouTube. Thumbs up, like it, share it with a friend, send them an email, let them know about it. You can also get in touch with me, GWPodcast at unafraidshow.com and listen, subscribe to the Pac-12 Apostles where I'm on there as well and Fox Sports Radio 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific and weekdays filling in. And we're going to start with, because the Lakers just won a championship, we're going to start there. And Lakers fans have not truly embraced LeBron James But they will now. And it's not just because he won a championship. It's because he did it in the year that Kobe Bryant died. And that meant more than anything else. Because Lakers fans, like LeBron said, don't give a damn about what you did before you got here. They care about what you did now. And after the outpouring of emotion after Kobe Bryant's death and the way that the media took it, the way the city took it, LeBron, there was no other potential solution than winning this year. And now the Lakers fans can embrace him. We can fully embrace LeBron because he did what we needed him to do. And that was to provide a championship in Kobe Bryant's death. Like that was the healing on some level that we needed. But when you look at his entire history, like I was a person who, like with so many other people, I was not buying into the LeBron hype early because you had to choose. You either had to choose Jordan or Kobe. Then you had to choose Kobe or you had to choose LeBron. You couldn't have both. But now that he is with the Lakers and then that I will say that that partially changed my thinking on some things and allowed me to open up my thinking because I realized I was like, this dude has grown up before our eyes on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16, the chosen one. Nobody has ever come into any sport in the history of all sports with as much hype as LeBron James. Nobody. And then the man not only lived up to the hype, he exceeded the hype. Think about this. Went to Cleveland. Left, went to Miami, year two championship. Goes back to Cleveland, year two championship. Year two in LA, championship. He's never let anybody down. Three franchises, three cities, four titles, and elevated everybody else around him. I mean, you put him on any team, they're an instant contender. 
Nobody has ever been able to do that. Not Michael Jordan, who I so for so long was like, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. All of that. We don't have to have that debate. But when you look at what LeBron has done, like Jordan didn't do that with, with, with Pippen. He wasn't an instant contender before Pippen. But LeBron just carried Kuzma, Caruso, Jared Dudley, Dwight Howard, Rondo, Danny Green to a championship. I mean, really consider that. And that's why I say that there is no other person that you would rather in the history of sports build a franchise around than LeBron James. Nobody. This dude gives you character, gives you accountability, leadership. He's a phenomenal teammate. You can't find teammates that do not like LeBron James. He pushes them. And then on top of all of those intangible things, he is a great player. I mean, really think about that. You don't find that too often. And that's why I'm happy. He's going to be fully appreciated by Lakers fans. And now he's a Laker great. And if he can win again next year, he will get a statue. And so to all the people that are now saying, oh, it was his easy year. He avoided the Clippers. Guess what? It's the Clippers fault. They are not in the they weren't in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, they weren't mentally into it. They didn't want to be in the bubble. Well, tough titty. You should have been better. If you weren't mentally into it, you weren't mentally into it enough to beat the Lakers anyway. Next thing up, Russell Wilson. Why is Russell Wilson so underappreciated? It is crazy to me. I know that, that he's a little corny. Mr. Unlimited is a little bit corny, but it's true. It is really true. Like he gave himself the nickname Mr. Unlimited, which I usually don't like, but he is LeBron James. He is LeBron James. He's every single thing that you could possibly want out of a player. Last night, I'm watching their game against the Minnesota Vikings. Did nothing in the first half. Comes back, brings his team back, takes the lead. They lose the lead. And then the fourth quarter, they get the ball back with a minute and some change left. They're inside their own 10. And and then he gets the ball back. And you're saying they're down by five. And you're like, oh, you already know they're going to win. That's what great quarterbacks that give you the ability to do. And I remember last night it was fourth and 10. They were inside their own 20. And it was, yeah, it was fourth and 10. And you're just saying, I thought to myself, I was like, here's what great players do. That there is no way that the game ends right here on this fourth down. It's not possible. Because that's not what Russell Wilson does. Like, that's what the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and top five quarterbacks. Though Those are the each separating differentiators between those. Is that those guys, you have to beat them until there is zero, zero, zero on the clock. There can't be any time on the clock when you try to beat these guys. It just doesn't work like that. And... I was like, there's no way the, the game ends. He can't end the game like that. So then they drive all the way down, fourth and 10 again. Of course, he comes through after Metcalf had already dropped the touchdown. And every single team in the NFL, hear this under the sound of my voice. I know that you think a lot of people like their quarterbacks, but every single team in the NFL, except for Green Bay and Kansas City, would trade their quarterback 
for Russell Wilson. He's still in his prime. Yes, that includes Buffalo with Josh Allen. That includes Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. That includes Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger, San Diego and Cincinnati with Herbert and Burrow. Every single team, do do you understand this? Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson, they would trade their quarterback straight up and a first round draft pick for Russell Wilson because the dude is unbelievable. Like, and that makes me wonder why he's so underappreciated. He's got no MVP votes in his career. No MVP votes. One of the highest touchdown to interception ratios in NFL history. And he's the guy that you trust to make every single throw in the clutch. It's like you looking at the TV, believe, oh, well, he's probably going to win win the game again. I mean, think about this. Like He is everything that Tom Brady is. Russell Wilson is that and more. Really. Every single thing that Russell Wilson is. He's clutch. I mean, every single thing that Tom Brady is. He's clutch. He's accurate makes the throws, wills his team to win. All of these things that Tom Brady is, Russell Wilson is that. And then you add on the fact that Russell Wilson is mobile and he's better. Russell Wilson is a better physical quarterback and can give you more than than Tom Brady. If you put, even though Pete Carroll's a great head coach, if you put Russell Wilson in the same exact situation as Tom Brady, He's probably undefeated in Super Bowls. That's just a fact. Oh, yeah, Tom Tom Brady is all these things. He is the GOAT. I'm giving you guys that. But even Brady, who blundered against the Bears, forgot fourth down, didn't get the game done the other night. It's just the truth. Bruce Arians would trade Tom Brady for Russell Wilson. It's just the truth. Russell Wilson's, I mean, Tom Brady's old. Um, And every year you can count Russell Wilson in the playoffs, no matter what the dude has, no offensive line, no running backs at first. Uh, He's clutch. I mean, he turns receivers like Baldwin and Lockett into household names. This is what great players do. And that's what Mr. Unlimited is. And then plus you get a quality human being with him as well. So stop underrating and stop underappreciating Mr. Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited. Next thing up, SEC defenses. Ha, this is funny. SEC defenses, they look like the Big 12 now. Now that there are real quarterbacks and real offenses there. Yep, it looks like that those defenses that, uh, that, oh, they're so vaunted. Nobody can score on these defenses. Yeah, right. Soon as you get real quarterbacks and real offenses against them, that it looks like that they were living in the stone ages. And the reason why the, the thing that's changed is not the pandemic. It's not any of that, because if you notice, there's been an uptick in scoring in the in the SEC since they have stepped out of the stone ages. I, I've always called it run and punt offense. The same thing that you saw with Les Miles in that quote unquote game of the century against Alabama. Alabama playing the same way, 9-6. Oh, it's a great game. No, it's a damn terrible offensive game. I mean, like, yes, the defense has stopped people, but it's easier to stop people with a simple-ass scheme. Even Nick Saban has had to change and step into the light, thanks to Lane Kiffin, and now thanks to Steve Sarkissian. 
I mean, th- there's not a defense in the world. Let's go back to that game of the century. Alabama, uh, LSU played two times, even in the national championship. There is not an offense. Uh, there's not a defense in the entire college football world in the history of college football that you could keep a top five offense in 2020 from scoring a touchdown. They are going to bump into some touchdowns just on accident. Even if you blow them out, it's not possible. So this, this is why the SEC is struggling. And it's like real life. People, they've criticized the Big 12. They criticized the Pac-10, Pac-12. Oh, there's no offense. I mean, there's no defense. It's like real life. People don't believe things are real until they show up at their doorstep. And now these big fancy highlight offenses like LSU was running last year, like Alabama's been running since Tua got there, like Ole Miss is doing, Mike Leach at Mississippi State, even though they had a complete power outage the last two weeks. They all said, uh, oh, it won't work here. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will, because it does. The offensive geniuses have come up with new ways to expound on what Chip Kelly started. I mean, it, it, it showed up at the SEC doorstep and they hate it and it's ugly. And now they all want to fire their defensive coordinators. But truth is, it doesn't matter who you hire. It is just like somebody saying that, oh, this person's a great person, but everybody around them says they're a crummy jerk. And then all of a sudden they do you wrong. And you're like, oh, wow, I see what everybody was saying. That's the same thing that is happening to the SEC. These offenses and quarterbacks have showed up at their doorstep. The SEC wasn't putting out quarterbacks in the NFL being successful, but now they are because their offenses have changed. I mean, and the true, I mean, that's their pride and joy, the defense, and it's taken a hit. The nation's worst pass defenses heading into week seven. Think about this. East Carolina is ahead of Alabama, Florida, and LSU in defense and well in pass defense think about that all of them are ahead of that mississippi state broke the the record for most passing yards when they beat lsu with 623 they said it couldn't be done if you saw old miss in alabama this weekend that was a a disaster for alabama's defense i mean we knew L- uh, old miss wasn't gonna be able to stop them but i mean they combined for uh, 1,370 yards. That's more That's more than a lot of Big 12 games put up. Dude, stop it. It's so many 40 and 50 point games that it's funny and hilarious at this point. But let me break down to you why this actually exists. So this season, SEC offenses have thrown the ball on over, 50%, over 57% of the snaps. 57% of the snaps, not just, and their first downs uh, passing percentage is over 50% now. It's like 54%, which in the history it had been hovering around like 49, 50%. But now teams are more willing to throw the football. They got rid of that fullback and they added another wide receiver out or another tight end who can run and catch. And they're like, mm, yep, we are going to do that now. So let me explain to you how this has been happening. So 2014, in the entire SEC, there was 8,281 total snaps, 4,201 passing attempts. That's 50.73%. 
it can it went up in 15 went back down in 16 hit a low a recent low in 2017 at 49.32%. Now here's back the uptick. 2018 51.7. 2019 53.97 and already through the uh through 3000 snaps we're at 57 at 57.67%. So there's more passing that's why there are more yards and more points being scored. Teams have realized that that as soon as other teams started scoring 30, 40 points a game, they're like, how do we figure out how to do it? Because we can't score that much. If you can't score points, you can't win. Because no matter how good your defense is, the offenses will, will moss somebody. Somebody will make a heroic catch. Somebody will miss a tackle. They're going to bump into some touchdowns. So you have to be able to do it. All right. Um... That's hilarious to me. I love seeing the SEC uh, not be able to play defense. It's funny to me. Um, last thing up is my and my parting shot for today is my top 10. My college football top 10 right now. Um, I have not, quote unquote, properly placed the Big Ten and the Pac-12 teams in, in my overall top 25 on an article on Unafraid Show because they're not playing yet. The Big Ten and the SEC, um, Big Ten and the Pac-12 are not playing yet. So what I did is I put them in my top 10, the ones who belonged, but I put them at not at 11, 10 and nine because there's a tie at 10 right now. We'll see. We haven't seen any of these teams play. So right now I have Penn State and Oregon tied at number 10. I have Ohio State at nine. And mind you, in my top 10s, I always credit teams for what they have done, not what I expect them to do. So that's why I can't put Ohio State, Oregon, and Penn State ranked any higher. They haven't played, but I still already believe that they are better than the other teams who have multiple losses at this point, uh, who are behind them in the top 25. So we'll go from there. And then I have Oklahoma State sitting at eight. They beat Tulsa, West Virginia, and Kansas. I don't expect them to stay anywhere near this. I do not believe in this Oklahoma State team, but this is where they're at right now. BYU, their schedule is trash this year because they don't get a chance to play the Pac-12 teams and Utah and all of that. So sorry, BYU. Yes, you're at number seven, but so far you've played Navy, Troy, um, Louisiana Tech, and Texas, San Antonio. Yep, Texas, San Antonio. How are you going to stay in the top 10 with this kind of schedule? There's no way you make the college football playoff. Cincinnati, Austin P, Army, UCF. They're playing really well right now. They look dominant. But this sucks for them because this is a team that could have gotten in the top four. But with the schedules all messed up, no non-conference games, there's no chance that they're going to get a chance to get in this year. Uh, number five, North Carolina. North Carolina is on the come. Mac Brown's doing a good job. They're recruiting phenomenally. But Syracuse, Boston College, Virginia Tech, I just expect, I mean, from what they've done right now, this is where they belong in the five spot. But do I expect them to stay there? No, I do expect them to probably finish around 12 to 15. But that'll be a really good season for North Carolina. Number four. I got Georgia. Oh, this is probably a shocker to some. Got Georgia at four. They played Arkansas, 
Auburn, and Tennessee. Their offense has struggled in the first half of two of those games. Actually, three of those games, really. And they picked it up with their defense, getting turnovers, all of that stuff. I still do not trust this offense. That leads me to number three, Notre Dame. They have actually been putting the screws to everybody so far. Duke, uh, South Florida, and Florida State. Florida State's terrible right now, but they still have a lot of good athletes, and Notre Dame blew the doors off of them. They are my number three team. Alabama is number two. Um, I consider putting Alabama at number one because they have played three conference games and haven't played Citadel like Clemson does. But Clemson's played Wake Forest, Virginia, and Miami, who I do believe overall are better than Missouri, Texas A&M, and Ole Miss. So there is my top 10. Am I right or am I wrong? Make sure you visit unafraidshow.com. Get all your college football news and happenings, especially in the Pac-12. Peace out. Catch you guys later.